Awesome. Uh, great to see you. My name is Drew. I'm the pastor here at Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights. We're thrilled that you're here um, today. It's really nice to be together. Um, I, have, I have a story that, I don't know if I'd say favorite, but one of my favorite kinds of stories um, that happened just last week. Uh, after church, people were uh, running out of the gym, uh, sh- like shorter people. <laughs> and uh, I asked a friend, uh, you know, who's a little bit uh, shorter, how was it? And he said, Stan is so cool. <laughs> and it <laughs> warmed my heart. Like, Stan isn't his, like, biological grandpa. Um, Stan is a friend that he knows at church who happens to be a little bit taller than him and a little bit older, I assume, uh, than him. Uh, but I, I love those stories because uh, one of the things is we just started our kids' church again. Uh, it is fun to see our kids come out. And not just um, there's a place for our kids to, like, go so they don't talk. Um, you know, or, or bother us, but really like a place where they, uh, in their context, can enjoy time together. They can enjoy learning about Jesus together, and they can really be loved by people together. There's nothing like that relationship of hearing kids have these more adults that love them uh, that they think are cool. So Stan, I don't know if anyone's ever told you that, but you're cool. There's at least like a four or five-year-old who thinks you're pretty cool. <laughs> which is a big, a big. Um, and as I say that too, just a reminder, um, on behalf of Britta and our, our team, uh, there's clipboards out there. And uh, we love for you to get to participate in that. And not just love for you to do that, but we need us as a family. So our church family has, if you noticed, has just the way God has made our church and has brought people to our church, has lots of little people in our church. And so uh, we, we need everyone to help hop into that. And so Brita has rotations. There's people who help uh, once a month, people help every eight weeks, six weeks, or if you just want to hop in when, when it's needed. There are clipboards right now as we start. This are some clipboards. You can just go old school, write your name and a date in the next few months if you want to help out. We'd love for you to help out. And we really need us as a family to do that. So it's not just a place to go babysit kids. You actually get to go have church with people who happen to be Shorter. Maybe you're someone who likes to run around in the gym. It might be just the right place for you. So after service, if you want to hop out there and do that. Otherwise, there's going to be opportunities uh, online in our weekly update and other places to sign up to continue to join that team and be a part of that team. Uh, Another exciting thing, this is our last week talking about parables. Next week, we start our series for the fall in Hosea, which I'm very excited about. A, A book that I personally have not read through very often. Um, a book I don't always look to go to, and I've been really blessed already in studying it and looking at it. And so uh, looking at the story of Hosea, where God commands someone to marry an adulterous woman, and it's this great story of faithfulness uh, and reminding us of how our God is so faithful to us, even though we continue to turn away and are unfaithful people. I'm hoping it'll be a lot of encouragement uh, to us, and, and maybe even learn a little bit about a book that you haven't looked at very often. So that'll start next week. If you're someone who gets excited about that, uh, you could probably sit down this week and even read the whole thing, but I encourage you to, to start jumping into that with us. As I said, we are in parables, and it's our last week in the parables. We have looked at, uh, last week, Aaron walked us through the story of the Good Samaritan, and we looked at uh, tax collectors and Pharisees and sheep and treasures and burying treasures and buying land and pearls and all sorts of things, right? All these stories that have uncovered this good news, that have reminded us of what the kingdom of God is like. There's these stories because there's a power in stories. Maybe that just happened as you talked to someone. Someone got really excited about a story, and usually you're excited about the story, not just because uh, it's cool, 
but because there's something about it that like stirs something in us. If I just tell you something, just information, it's different than if I tell you a story that changes you or motivates you. I think of this when I go see a movie. If I see like a documentary, I'm like really passionate about that topic afterwards. It's because I like heard the story of the people and, and, the whole, and all that's going on and not just like, you should do this thing, but, but you, you learn so much about it and you feel it and you connect to it. So there's a reason God uses parables. He actually uses right all of scripture as this story to explain who he is. But the parables were these stories Jesus told that helped us understand what the kingdom of God is like. And we've been learning about that, a lot of what that looks like through Jesus' words. Actually, Jesus' disciples in Matthew ask him why he speaks in parables. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables, Jesus? So he replies to them, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So he's talking about all these parables often are in response to some Pharisees, some people uh, who, who oversee the law, who are saying there's this religious system you have to follow. And Jesus is saying there's actually a different kingdom that you could follow. And so he's telling them, I'm telling you these because there's this kingdom of heaven that's been given to you and not to those. Whoever has uh, will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever has not, uh, does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Here's the part I want you to really hear. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. They think they see, but they really don't see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. They think they're hearing, but they're not really hearing. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be, you'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with ears, and they have closed their eyes. It's like they they think they see, but they, they're not really seeing. There's a veil. There's a misunderstanding. They think they know. They don't know. And so these parables are, are, can be an opportunity to say there's a, maybe this will allow them to see, or maybe at least it will encourage us to remind us of what is true. And it says, otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears. They might actually see, actually hear, understand with their hearts in turn, and I would heal them. That's the part I want us to hear today. If we actually see and hear and understand with our hearts, we actually end up turning to Jesus, turning to God, re repenting, saying, whoa, the way I'm living isn't, isn't true, isn't life-giving, isn't light, it's darkness, it's death. And we turn and then you hear the words he used and they would heal them. This is the part of uh, the song we were just saying last. The, we, we sing that part over and over about being healed. It's the part I can't not sing, like cry, I always cried in that part. There's something about, I think of like multiple friends and even family members. I think, oh, the day when Jesus will heal all things. And he's the one who heals us. So these stories do more than just, oh, those are cool. That's a cool way to explain how, how God's kingdom works. It's actually a way to explain the gospel, understand his kingdom so that we could turn our hearts to him. And that's not just to turn our hearts because we like him as our storyteller, but because Jesus is the one who heals us. And so these stories are really important. And today we're going to look at uh, the idea of parables, not so much as an actual parable Jesus told, but understanding that the story of the gospel in itself, this story of what God has done and is doing, cries out to people and will heal people. There's lots of ways we're trying to heal people and bring justice and rightness. Jesus, ultimately, the gospel is the way that happens. It cries out the kingdom of God is like 
And today my hope is that we'd understand that our lives tell a story that says the kingdom of God is like this guy, this girl, this family, these people. We see this happen where people are changed because of the story that is told. There's a moment in scripture where a woman runs back into her town and she says, you would not believe what just happened to me. She, there's people come just to, to hear what, what's going on. I went to this, the well just to get water and I don't, I don't know what to think. I, I met a man there and he knew everything about me. Not like he just knew like, oh, hey, you're a woman and you like water because <laughs> you're at the well. He knew like, he knew that the, my brokenness, like my deep brokenness stuff that actually even some of you don't know about me. He knew that I'm seeking life I'm seeking more than just water to sustain me, like real living, life-giving something. And he told me that he, he is the one who brings that. It's like, he's like no one I've met. I think he might be the one who's come to rescue us. I think he's the Messiah. Like, this is, I know this is crazy, friends. And not only that, he's Jewish, and he shouldn't have been talking to me. They usually hate us. They spit at us. They would never help us. But he just gave me like the greatest gift ever. She tells the story, this Samaritan woman, about this man that she had met who seemed to have already changed her life just in a quick sitting by the well. And you know what happens when she tells her story of that, even that short encounter with Jesus? It says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. These are people that were kind of cast. I remember last week Aaron shared with us how people view Samaritans. These are people you think, well, there's no chance for them. She runs back and tells the story and people believed in him because of the woman's story. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. He came and they said, you gotta stay. This part of this, this is part of the story I, I, I never remember, or don't, I don't know if I ever re, even heard before. Jesus then stays with them. He, he, they hear the story of him and they say, please come be with us. We want, we want to be with you and no more. And he does, he goes and hangs out with them. And because of his words, many more became believers. They turned, their hearts turned to him and they were healed. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Her story, her story of her life and what just the little bit God was doing in her life drew people to just want to consider and, and, and you just consider hanging out with him. And then they got to actually experience Jesus. And now they've been healed. I mean, thank God. Thank, thank you, Lord, that you did that in that. There's people in that village who now have life. And we're living in death. Isn't that incredible? I wish we, we don't even know what happened. For two days, some cool stuff happened in that village. We don't know what happened. That'll be a great thing to ask someday. We get to meet a Samaritan someday and say, Oh, I, I first heard about Jesus when he came to my town and we hung out. He told me everything, explained my brokenness and how he could heal me, how God created me and loves me. This isn't abnormal at all. This is very normal that when people hear, uh, you hear throughout the gospels, Jesus would heal people. And then he'd say like, don't tell anyone. And then like the next verse was like, they told everybody. And then, 
that says like, whole villages know Jesus. They run around and people all come. That's why there's these crowds you see when Jesus shows up places, crowds come. It's not because they like just guessed there was an important person. It's because these stories went out of what God was doing. We even see this happen just from people hanging out with Jesus. In the, in the book of Acts, we hear this story of the Holy Spirit coming and then God's church being uh, multiplied and going out amongst all the nations. And the story of Peter and John, they'd healed a man in the name of Jesus. And so they were brought between these, before these religious leaders and like, you got to stop talking about Jesus. This guy got healed through you, the Holy Spirit working through you. And then he goes and tells everyone about it. And they're all thinking like, Jesus and the Holy Spirit maybe has more power than we do. And so they bring them before and they say, you can't do this. We're, you're, we're gonna like kill you and your people if you keep doing this. But there's a, there's a verse in here that's really interesting that explains uh, a curiosity they have about Peter and John. They said they saw the courage or the boldness of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. These are like regular, uneducated people. And they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It's like my, people ever ask you if you have a life verse? I didn't know what that was growing up. So I would just like make up a number. I'd just say like, uh, Matthew 27, eight. <laughs> Cause no one really looked it up. Uh, this is one for me now. This is a verse I go back to often. I say, Lord, I want to be known as just an ordinary, unschooled person but known that I've been with Jesus. And these, and these men and many others changed people's lives because they were with people and their stories in their lives, just how their life, they're like the parable of their life changed people because, because they knew they had been with Jesus. All of their stories had the same person involved in all of their stories. So I think to encourage us, maybe you're unaware of, of, of your story, of our story, Maybe you just need a reminder of it. I, I, I'm so encouraged by remembering my story. Maybe as we walk through our story now to remind us of what it is, maybe you just need to think, which part of this do I not remember? Which part of this is really hard for me to believe? But this is our story, friends. I'd like to tell us our story to remind us of it. Not only to remind you and encourage you, maybe for the first time, you could say, I want to turn to Jesus. I want to be healed. Maybe say, this is good. I, I need to remember this because when I tell my story, I want it to point to this Jesus who actually is the one who heals. So here's our story, friends. It starts at creation. It starts with a creator who creates the world and creates his people. In Genesis 1, we hear, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created people in his own image. He saw all that he had made it was very good. It's my favorite parts of Genesis. The beginning of Genesis, he would create animals and say, it's good. He'd create plants. It's so good. And then he creates people in his image. He says, I create these people. And it's very good. Do you hear that? He created us and said, very good. And he was with us. As God's people hung out with God and they, uh, tended to gardens together and cared for animals together and one another. It was a time where there wasn't shame. They were like physically naked, just completely exposed to each other. And, and not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, relationally, they were just completely naked with one another. And there was no shame. Can you imagine that? A place where there's no shame at all? 
It was really good. But then it got really bad. In chapter two of our story, we call the fall. This is when God's people decide be, through being deceived by Satan, the accuser. He says, do you really think God has what's best for you? God gave them one instruction that was to not eat from a certain tree. Say, so yeah, in faithfulness to me, in obedience to me, I don't, you, I don't want you to eat that because actually it brings death. That choice will bring death to you in darkness. And the snake says, God's just holding back. He doesn't want you to know. He wants to hold all the power. And so they believe that lie that we'll believe over and over again. We see in Romans 1 this explained. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. This is the way sin in this chapter of fall introduces us to us. Sin makes us think we're very wise. In fact, we're very foolish. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We have this immortal creator and we decide to give all of our glory and worship to things that are creation. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to this honoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. You hear that? So the fall happens because we exchange what's true about God and, and ourselves for a lie, what's untrue. And then we worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Um, so this fall really happens because we say this created thing, which often is really good, we exchange for our creator, the one who gave it to us. You can say, this is so wonderful. I think I'm just going to worship that. That's got to be better than anything else. And not realize the one who gave it to us is actually better. The one actually in chapter one in creation, we just got to hang out with. And now we're saying, I, I think I want to hang out with this. This week I um, got to help lead our class. We do every summer, we take a week and we meet with different um, religious uh, groups around the Twin Cities. It's our world religions class. And so we take field trips and meet with people. And over and over, we kept having the same, uh, we, we meet and then we have lunch and talk about our experience. And uh, we kept having the same experience where we would see people get so close. They'd say, Is not, isn't, aren't trees beautiful? There's something about being in the mountains that changes your heart. And you say, yeah. And they'd say, so that's why like, I worship mountains. And you say, yo, but it, like, it points. Like, it, it's almost as if it points to something greater. And you'd say, yes, it does. And we're with you. And they'd say, that's why I worship the mountain. And you go, oh, it's so close. You're so, you see it, but you know, it's actually pointing to something. And so God's people in chapter two of our story are stuck in a cycle. This happens over and over and over again. They turn to God and then they realize they turn to things around them. Sometimes very quickly. God is in their presence. And as soon as he turns his back to walk away, they turn to something else. So they melt down all the gold they have and make an idol to worship. And so they're stuck. There's no real way out. People are over and over turning from God, bringing darkness and death over and over to themselves. They have leaders who try to point them to God and the people decide maybe for a little while, but still they can't. And so they just create systems that make them feel like maybe they can reach God. Systems that make them feel like they're better people. Or at least systems that make them feel like they're better than others. But it doesn't bring them 
salvation. It doesn't bring them healing. And so then chapter 3 comes. God doesn't leave us there. He redeems us. And we hear this in Colossians, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he, he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We aren't left in the fall. That would be a bummer of a story. Hey, it was so good, and then you guys turned away from God, and then stinks for you. Jesus comes, humbles himself. God himself comes as a baby, lives his perfect life. He tells the parables to explain the kingdom. People turn to him. He meets with the Samaritans. They're healed. They turn to him. He goes on a cross and dies for the punishment we deserve. He raises from the grave, defeats death. It no longer has a hold over us, ascends into heaven, goes on his throne, makes a way for us into heaven. He has rescued us. That's not even the end of his story. We now get to turn to Jesus and say, I want to be healed. I want to turn to you and give my life to you. And then we hear the story actually ends in Restoration chapter 4. This is incredible news that's still to come. Then he saw a new heaven and new earth from the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Things become redeemed. God's home is now among his people. It's like creation again. God comes and is with his people. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. It's gone. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. The one who rose from the grave ascended to the throne. He says, look, everyone, I'm making everything new. It's not broken anymore. What a story. In fact, the story I think is, is the story of most of our favorite movies, right? Or books. A story of a brokenness that is healed, that is restored, that is redeemed. Things being made right. We see this uh, in pictures often, this kind of story of God's people, the story of the gospel. If we leave the gospel just to like Jesus died on a cross, that's really not the full story. It's actually a very tiny part. It's actually kind of a sad story. You should love Jesus because he died on a cross. He did a whole lot more than that. And so this story, right, we see here the, the, have, the, the creation and then it being broken. There's a crack in the earth. Jesus coming to restore us in his kingdom. I personally uh, prefer this one. This is my Bitmoji version of our story. Isn't that great? I love, I love the hashtag blessed. <laughs> I love that it's so, I look so smug. <laughs> I'm blessed, I'm awesome. That's not really how that redemption works. This, we have this great, great story in our lives. You know what the story tells you? It tells you some really important things about you. It tells you that you are a gift of God. God made you. There are days that that, would ch that changes my day if I remember that part of my story. It reminds you that you are broken. Maybe you're faking it. You're thinking like, no, I shouldn't be broken. This doesn't make sense. Why don't things work? Why do I think that sometimes? Or why do I act that way? Why did I just yell at someone? Because you're broken. It reminds us that we need a Savior. There's actually someone who can, can fix that. It's not you. Someone can fix that. It also reminds us of something really important, that we're eternal. Or maybe this story reminds you that you're God's child, that we have a Father who made you, that you came from, that, that wants you, that you're lost, you've run off, that he pursued you. 
that you're running through the aisles of Target, lost, scared, thinking you can't find your parents, but he, he doesn't stop running after you. He finds you. You're found. And that you're his forever. It's a really good story, a really important story. This is what we get to believe when we believe the gospel. When we say, hey, I gotta get up every morning and preach the gospel to myself. I gotta remind myself, Drew, you're a child of God. Hey, you're broken. But you know who fixes that? God fixes, Jesus fixes that. Turn to him. He loves you, he came. And you're forever his, this isn't the end. We get to tell that story to people around us in our lives. So it's okay to say to a friend, yeah, I'm kind of messed up. Thankfully, Jesus is working on me. And I say, huh, I'd be interested in knowing more about that Jesus. And then Jesus can come hang out with them for two days. They can be healed. We can tell that story in lots of ways. The way we talk, the way we tweet, the way we <laughs> share comments, the way we sing, the way we write. This is one of my favorite examples of this. Phyllis Wheatley uh, was one of the first published African-Americans and women um, wrote a her, she writes this whole the story that we just heard in just four phrases here in a poem. From her poem, On Being Brought from Africa to America. "'Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land, taught my benighted soul to understand, benighted my darkened soul, that there's a God, that there's a Savior too. Once I redemption neither sought nor knew. I was in the dark. And then I, I found out about Jesus has rescued me. That I was in a land away from Jesus and now I am with Jesus. So I encourage just to think about that. These parables have been really encouraging to me, reminding me of really great truths uh, of the gospel. But I think, how do your own stories tell the story of the gospel? How do they remind those around you of how good Jesus is? Even in, in one phrase, how is your day going? How do we have the opportunity to remind ourselves of this good gospel, which should then fill us and encourage us and heal us, and then we get to be people who overflow it to others. I'll share a story how this works, how this has worked in my life. It's a story about pickles and the Green Bay Packers and me in junior high. Look at me, I look so good. That's pre-beard. Right after that, I started growing a beard. But that was just before the beard. Oh my goodness, look at those glasses. Those glasses are cool now, I think. But not then, they were not cool then. <laughs> in, uh, in seventh grade, I was sitting at the lunchroom uh, in my school in Collierville, Tennessee, where I lived at the time. And I often wore Green Bay Packers stuff, which is rare there, because I was in Tennessee. And the Packers were not good. And so nobody wanted to be a Packer fan. All my friends were Dallas Cowboy fans, because that's what you were then, was a Dallas Cowboy fan. And um, I was always wearing green, and I liked pickles. So I was eating a lot of pickles at lunch. And I, uh, in order to gain the attention of those at my table, which is what junior high boys do, I began to act like my, I could talk to my pickles. And uh, it's as awkward as you think it would be. I would say like, what? Oh, no way. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, he said, his name is, J is James the Pickle, and he wants you to know this, guys. And people were laughing and laughing, and I thought they were laughing with me. I'm sure they were not. But my, the, that continued to the point within days I was called Pickle, and within weeks, everyone called me Pickle at school. And I made sure I wore green to school so I could embrace 
pickle, I would introduce myself to new people as pickle. And to the point of teachers, I started writing pickle on worksheets at school. Teachers started calling me pickle. And then to the day I moved, which was in the middle of eighth grade, we moved during the school year. We had a going away party and I got all these going away cards uh, that all said pickle. They had pictures of pickle on them. My teachers referred to me as pickle. I had notes that said like, we love you pickle. Thanks for your hard work. I just went as pickle and I just embraced it. And I just got all in on pickle. I wanted like pickle merch and ate pickles. Even though I didn't want a pickle, I ate it because I had to like own my brand, uh, which was terrible. So then I moved. So in eighth grade, we packed up, we moved to Wisconsin. And my first day in eighth grade was the middle of school year. And it was just the middle of the school week. And they said, hey, your locker's the last one in this line of lockers because everyone already has had their lockers. And I went to my locker um, and I wore my Green Bay Packers stuff. And I thought, oh yeah, I'm in Wisconsin now. I'm gonna be awesome. I'm wearing Packers stuff. And uh, uh, the guy next to me in the locker walked up, was being in school and he said, hey, and uh, I said, hey, I ended up becoming a very close friend. He said, hey, who are you? And I was like, oh, I'm Pickle. Everyone calls me Pickle. And he said, that's a dumb name. What's your real name? <laughs> I said, oh, everyone calls me Pickle because I wear Packers stuff and I talk to Pickles. And he said, uh, how about we just call you by your real name? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's Drew. And he's like, cool, okay. And then invited me to math class with him. And we went to math class. And I never went by pickle again. Like in that moment, a flood of like embarrassment and emotions, I went, oh, I don't need to be pickle. And I probably should not have been pickle. <laughs> so so th that happens to me, right? This, this, this motivation for people to like me, to laugh, to just whatever I have to do. When you're in seventh grade, whatever you have to do to get someone to laugh and show attention, at least for me. And later in life, then years, years later, I'm in college and I'm telling someone that story and he said, yeah, thank God that you are a child of the creator and that you don't need to seek approval from people. That he loves you so much that you don't even worry about what people call you. Isn't that good? And I wept. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And he said that you're like a child of God. That he loves you so much. He sent Jesus like, no one's ever going to give you more approval or praise than that. Like, and then you don't have to do things like call yourself pickle, right? I'm so glad that you've like matured and become a man who knows that truth. And uh, I hadn't really. And so then I got to dive into that. We studied scripture together and he shared the gospel with me. But this goofy story of me uh, calling myself pickle, rebranding myself as pickle, um, shed a lot of light on the fact that I wanted approval from people because I wasn't believing my story. And just being able to share that story with a friend helped, that story helped change my heart to want to turn more to Jesus and be healed. We, we all have that story over and over and over and over again of our brokenness and of Jesus healing us. I don't know how often I really tell that story. I think I got to figure out the right way to share the gospel, so they know like the right order and exactly the right parts. And if I get it wrong, then they're gonna like not be Christians, they'll like end up some other religion. <laughs> and you think, well, just why don't we just tell our story? How God's changing us. That we encountered Jesus and he told us that we are broken and he told us how to be healed. And all of our friends need to know. I think we 
this week, we're going to have opportunities to be not only believing the gospel ourselves, but we're going to be in places, right? Like the checkout line. We're going to be in places like an office. We're going to be in places like a coffee shop. We're just driving our car and we're going to have an opportunity to be reminded of the gospel, reminded of this creation and the fall and the redemption and the restoration in our own lives. And we might even have opportunities to share that good, good story with others. We might be in places like our home or maybe more like our home that need to be reminded of that good news. That you were made by God and he loves you and he calls you his child, that you are broken, it's okay. You you can be fixed, you can be healed. It's through Jesus. Maybe we're just online and we're not remembering the gospel so we're not overflowing a gospel. We're not loving our God so we're not loving our people. This brings me to the last thing I want us to remember is that everybody you encounter this week has the same story. That they're a gift of God. That they're broken. They need a savior. That they're eternal. That they're God's child and that they're lost. But Jesus has come to find them and he's they're, there, they're his forever. This one tends to be harder for me. I think I can remember my story and be encouraged by it, but there's definitely people I encounter that I say that, that I think, I don't know if God made you. <laughs> I think you may have come from a pit around hell, and maybe <laughs> you're not fun to be around. I forget that the gospel can also be their story. So as we end here, I just want to remind us of how good this story is, that this story reminds us what the kingdom of God is like. It's a story that we're living right now and a story that's going to powerfully change you and the people around you. Just knowing the facts doesn't always do it. We really need to know the story of the, that you're living in and what God has done. And three things that, have, that, are, that are striking me from this. First is to be reminded, friends, that we're not the hero of this story. We're the broken ones that have turned from God. He loves us. We've turned, we've run. Remember who the hero of the story is. Who's the hero of the stories that you tell? I think it's, it's real easy sometimes for me to feel like I have to be the hero of the story. And in fact, that doesn't tell the gospel story to those around you. Also, it also doesn't really always connect to people around you. If you're the friend who tells the story of what a hero you always are. There's something powerful about saying, I'm broken too. I know the one who heals us. I think it's important to remember that this story is not over. I, I often can feel like, this is it, Jesus, huh? I met people this week who shared their stories of growing up in a church and now want nothing to do with the church. And many of those stories uh, were connected to the fact that they didn't know that th- this isn't it. I was told of how good Jesus was and then this is it. I go to a church with like messed up people who are broken, who also are sinning, and we're all trying to follow Jesus together. Seems like he would have made everything right, not knowing like he will. It's not over yet. And also I think important for us to remember that it can be everybody's story. That you're going to meet someone today and this is also their story or could be their story and you might get to be the person who gives them that really good news. I'm going to invite our worship team up so we get to continue remembering the story. You notice that when we sing songs, 
we're just telling stories. We're like sit, singing stories. We're like a room full of bards singing the tales of this good God who made us and what he's done for us. And so we're going to do that now. We're going to sing together and be reminded of how good our God is before we head out and get to live that story. A few things to consider as we do this. Uh, you could pray. You could just sit quietly. You could sing. We want you to reflect now. Do you know that Jesus has rescued us from a brokenness? That, that'd be first step. If you think, I don't, I don't know this story. First step would be, bend your knee to Jesus. Say, yeah, Jesus, I want to turn to you. What part of the story is hardest for you to believe or remember? What's the one that you wake up and you go, it is really hard for me to believe I'm a child of God, that God actually wants me. It's really easy to believe I'm broken. Very easy to see that part, but really hard to believe that God rescued me. Or that even that one day it will be all right. Which one's hard to believe? Which one do you need? Someone then who reminds you of this gospel story, who reminds you of that? You might need to ask someone. I think in my life, I've had to be more intentional to say, I need you to tell me the gospel. I can't just assume or like hope that you will. I need you to. I might need to, I might need to text you and say, tell me the gospel. And then you'll remind me because I can't believe it sometimes. And who do you know that needs to know this good news? There's people waiting right now to hear this good news. And we get to be the people who bring it to them. Let me pray for us and then we will worship this good God together. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us, that you made us, that although we turn from you, you've come to rescue us. You've paid the price so that we can have relationship with you. I pray that we would turn to you and we would be healed. And then in that healing, we would overflow a love to those around us, that we would get to tell your story, even just the way we care and love for those around us. Lord, that more people would know you that they'd know that this is their story. And Lord, we look forward to that day when you come and make all things right, when pain and sorrow and tears are no more. Oh, we look forward to that day. But until that day, Lord, pray to you people who tell our stories well, tell your story well. We pray this in your good name. Amen.